You're listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim. To find out more, go to calvaryanaheim.org. And now, here's Pastor James. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 9, looking at verse 1. Samuel is now old. He's aged, and his sons uh, are coming, have been coming into power, but they're corrupt. The people want to be ruled by a king like the other nations, worldly kings. Although Samuel was hurt by this and felt rejected, God reminds him that it is not Samuel that they've rejected, but it's God and his rule and his leadership in their lives. And so Samuel goes ahead at the word of the Lord, and he warns the people of what a king will be like. Uh, Then he sends them home with the promise that God will provide them the king that they want. That's not necessarily a good thing, friends, to be provided the king that we want when that king is not King Jesus. So that's where we're at in our narrative, and we get to verse 1, chapter 9. It says, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bechorath, the son of Aphiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a choice or young and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. First of all, we note in verse 1 that Kish was a Benjamite, and therefore his son Saul would be a Benjamite as well. We know from the scriptures in Genesis 49.10, when Jacob was blessing his children prophetically, he said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And so the kingly line was to be from the tribe of Judah. And Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the king from the line of Judah. So right away we might think, oh, he's a Benjamite. His lineage is not going to be a lasting lineage. Secondly, we notice that Kish was a man of power. Now, probably this is meaning that he was a man of wealth and of influence in his region. And then we read on that Saul was handsome. He's a really good-looking guy, and he was tall. He had a very impressive presentation. He was a dashing fellow, you would say. He was the paragon of a worldly man. No one's slick as this Saul. No one's quick as this Saul. No one's necks as incredibly thick as Gaston. For there's no man in town half as manly, perfect, a pure paragon. You can ask any Tom, Nick, or Stanley, and they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on. Okay, I couldn't resist. I couldn't resist that one. 
And so the emphasis here is on the strength of the man, and it's on the external appearance and the worldly advantages that Saul has coming into this. He's got the looks, he's got the height, and that is a worldly advantage. I mean, even studies show it's the taller people that they seem to, you know, get the, the more powerful positions and things like that in the world. Now, Napoleon Bonaparte would, would say differently. There are exceptions, right? And because it's just, it's about confidence, worldly confidence. And so, anyway, he's got the wealth and the influential family. Uh, he was born into privilege. But what about a relationship with God? There's no mention of that. There's no emphasis on it in this section. Right away, the description of Saul is all physical and its presentation, it's outward. There's no godly character that is spoken of, no self-sacrificial character, no leadership skills talked about, or a concern for the people. Where's the depth of character? It's not mentioned. And so we see here that God is giving the people the king that they want, that they would vote for, so to speak. And God sees their hearts, and he gives people a king that they deserve, ultimately. Now, Saul does have a, a good start here as we continue through the story. But then we discover his true colors and his true character more and more as we go throughout. And we find that he does not finish well. He doesn't finish well as he goes through the testing, right? as the Lord tests his metal, and he really goes through the fire, so to speak, we find that he doesn't prove out well. So let's continue on in verse 3. It says, Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise, go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. And so it's interesting to me here, first of all, that these donkeys get lost. That tells me that most likely somebody dropped the ball, right, for the donkeys to be lost. Maybe someone forgot to tie them up or left the pen open overnight or something. Didn't repair the fence like they were supposed to. And lo and behold, the donkeys go missing. And so Kish says, hey, Saul, son, can you go take a servant and go look for the donkeys? And so as they look and they look and they're searching and they're searching, but they still haven't found what they're looking for. Another song title there for you guys. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Oh, we're having fun tonight, aren't we? So verse 5 then, it says, When they had come to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come, let us return, lest my father cease caring about the donkeys and become worried about us. And so this is a good thing that we see in Saul, that he's 
He's, he cares for his dad, apparently. We know his dad cares for him, and he knows his dad cares for him and acknowledges that and, and worries that his dad's going to be worried about him. So he wants to head back. But there's also some things here that we see that there's no acknowledgement of God in this. There's no stopping and saying, hey, let's pray and ask God to help us find the donkeys. There's no, hey, let's go find a man of God who can help us with this that's initiated by Saul. We're going to see his servant does in a second. But um, we would hope to see that more from a future king of Israel, someone who would have a heart after God and understand their own dependence on the Lord. And God help us to be more and more like that, not like Saul, <laughs> not, not forgetting to acknowledge the Lord, but remembering that we're dependent on him and we need him every step of the way. And therefore, we should come to him and ask him if we, even down to the small things in life, like losing something. Um, there's two stories that I know of, and, and oh, there's probably a lot more, but two stories that I always like to mention in my life that I think of when it comes to losing something, praying, and then God doing a miracle. And one of those is with my brother, Josh. Uh, he's a Calvary Chapel pastor at Calvary Chapel, Newcastle. If, if you haven't heard any of his messages or anything, look them up online and check it out. But he loves to tell his story of when he was a kid and he had this special shark's tooth. And, uh, and he, we had this driveway. We were living in New Jersey, North Carolina? New Jersey. New Jersey. And we had this big driveway with all these multicolored pebbles all over the driveway. And he had dropped his shark tooth somewhere in this sea of pebbles. And so it just completely blended in. But he was distraught, and so he was looking for it everywhere, everywhere. I don't even know how long. He would probably tell you 10 hours, and in reality, it was 10 minutes. But he was searching and searching. That was for you, bro. And, um, and then he just plopped himself down in the driveway, and he prayed his little prayer. I mean, how old was he? Four? Five? Five years old. And he prays. He says, you know, Jesus, help me to find my shark's tooth. And he opens up his eyes, and between his legs in the driveway is his shark's tooth right after he prayed. Isn't that amazing? Oh, man, God is just so good. And then for me, I think I shared this recently, so I'll make it the quick story, but I can't remember if I did or not, so I'm doing it anyway. But, um, hey, I'm almost 50, people. And... Uh, I was out mountain bike riding with a friend and the tail end of my bike got loose and I was riding and riding and I'm, you know, just kind of wondering what that is until finally I thought I better stop and check and, and a bolt had fallen off the tail end of my bike and I didn't know exactly where. I, I thought maybe a mile back or something. And so I, I, I said to my friend, you know, I think I lost it back there and stuff like that and, and, and then we prayed and I said, okay, I'm going to go look for it. He's like, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna just going to go look for it. And so I left him, and I went, rode back for about a mile, and God just gave me this faith that I'm going to find it, that this is going to happen. It's going to happen. And sometimes God will do that, friends. 
when even with the impossible, He will fill our hearts with a supernatural faith regarding something that is not normal for us. Where normally I'm like, oh, pessimistic, give up, pull a saw, you know, let's just go home, man, forget it. But God put this in my heart. Why a bolt? I don't know. Why not something more important? I couldn't tell you. But it was just God wanting to show himself powerful in the minor details of my life. And so then as I was just anticipating that I'm going to find this bolt, I look to the side in the leaves and I see the bolt halfway covered by a leaf on the side of the path in the forest. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, rejoicing. And yet because God had given me that supernatural faith, I knew it was going to happen. And, uh, and then I got to go back, and my friend was like, oh, no, look, huh? And I was like, actually, here it is. Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. And, you know, and what a testimony to him, too, to both of us. And so we want to acknowledge the Lord and, and move forward with what he's saying to do. Move forward with what he's saying to do. Uh, Gloria got to share with me the details of her brother-in-law, right? Brother-in-law, Ed. Um, who has been in the hospital for three months, you know, with COVID, and then it looked better, and then it looked bad, and things like that. All the while, they're praying for his salvation. But it was here in this last week, as the Lord was showing them that it, he's probably going to go home, going to go soon, but he's not saved. What are we going to do? Well, the Lord began to speak to her and show her specifically scriptures and infuse her with that faith that to share the gospel, and she knew that God would give her an opportunity, but it, she kept saying, how, Lord, how is this going to happen? Until uh, finally her niece, who was present with her brother-in-law, called and said, we have an opportunity here, and they did FaceTime, and he came out and acknowledged that he had heard the gospel and, and it was a miracle that there was any kind of acknowledgement whatsoever. And so when we combine the Word of God and the faith that He gave her and how He gave her uh, the Gospel of John chapter 1, powerful about those who receive Jesus and believe will become the children of God and then accompany that with the sharing of the Gospel and the response that happened, they know that that was a positive response and that Ed, 24 hours before he passed, is with the Lord today like the thief on the cross. It's a gift of faith that was confirmed and she knows, she knows. Praise the Lord. And so here, Saul is really giving up, giving up on it. But that's not the end of the story because God's grace is huge. And so in verse 6 now, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6. It says, and he, that's the servant, said to him. Remember, Saul is, is given up. But the servant says, look now, there in this city, a man of God. Ooh, a man of God. And he is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Thank God for counselors who have faith, people that are in our lives who have faith, even more faith than we have, 
And when we're feeling defeated and want to give up, they speak hope into our lives, and they speak faith into our lives. Sometimes it's easier for us to have faith for others than to have faith for ourselves. Have you noticed that in your life sometimes? That someone tells you a problem, and you're like, don't worry about it. It's all going to work out. Just trust the Lord. And then you have a problem, and you're like, the sky is falling. You know, it's, it's all ending. And then you have to be reminded by someone else, perhaps. And so God help us all to grow in faith for ourselves and and not just for others. And so here Saul has this servant who has faith and said, well, wait a second, there's a man of God that we can consult. And he's an honorable man. He's got a good reputation. All that he says surely does come to pass. Man, shouldn't we go to him? Because everything he says comes to pass. I think he's a good guy to go to. So let's go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. And so this servant is exhibiting faith. Now, sadly, we see in Saul that his faith, he has this pattern as we study through his story, that the people around him have faith, but he never comes into his own faith, his own faith. And so we want to be people that come into our own faith and grow in faith and and not always have to rely on other people having faith for us. Amen? Another interesting thing about this faith that this servant has, kind of saying, hey, who knows what could happen? Maybe this man of God can show us the way to go and we can find our donkeys. It's, It's exactly the kind of faith that Jonathan has later when that garrison of the Philistines and they're coming up against them and everybody's terrified and hiding and Jonathan says to his armor bearer, hey, why don't we go up? Who knows what God might do? You know, that's an even more severe situation with greater faith exhibited. And then after Jonathan, we get David and Goliath and everybody's terrified to face Goliath. But David, the young man, steps up and says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would come against the armies of the living God? Ah. (laughs) And we just see this, this increase in faith through the story as we go along. But this is really the first statement of faith that we're we're getting here as far in the story of the kings as we go along here. So, uh, praise the Lord. You know, Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths, or make your paths smooth or straight. He will do it. What really jumped out at me as I was reading this scripture is lean not on your own understanding. How can you lean on yourself? I can lean on a wall. I can lean on a pillar. But if I try to lean on myself, you know, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. And so it doesn't make any sense to try and lean on ourselves. We need to lean on the Lord. Fully lean on Him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Find what? Your donkeys. Knock, and it will be open to you. Of course, when I say your donkeys, we're talking about Jesus. We seek Jesus, we'll find him. We'll find him because he wants to be found. 
And so we just turn to him. We keep seeking. We keep asking. We keep knocking. He will be there. He will be found by us. All right, we're now in verse 7. 1 Samuel 9, verse 7. Then Saul said to his servant, remember his servant just suggested they go find the honorable man of God and ask. And the servant, uh, Saul says to the servant, but look, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone and there is no, uh, there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? So there's this expectation from Saul that in order to get an answer from the man of God, they're going to have to bring a gift. They're going to have to have a present or food or something to barter with instead of a free gift from the Lord, you see. And Saul here is looking at the glass, and it is what? Half empty. (laughs) Half empty. He's assuming that this is a constraint. He's assuming he can't get his answer, so why try? Why try? We want to be careful of that defeatist um, attitude that can come in. And sometimes there's a temptation because we're lazy, because maybe we're out of food and we would just want to go home, and we want to give up. And so in the flesh, we want to go this way. And someone suggests a different route that requires more work, (laughs) more effort, more obstacles and challenges. And we're like, I don't want to go that way. And so we try to come up with excuses, excuses. And so God help us and, and God surround us with people who are optimistic, who say, no, we can go forward. We can go forward. God has said, let's go. There's another option, something else we can try. Let's do it. Let's try. This is important. You know, this is wealth for your family. This is your dad we're talking about, and he's a man of power. Let's put forth that that extra effort to try and do this, and let's trust the Lord. Let's at least seek God first instead of ignoring him and just giving up. Verse 8, and the servant answered Saul again. And see, this is a good servant, like the servants of Naaman. The servant answers Saul again and said, look, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver. I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, come let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. So that's helpful when you're reading the scriptures. If you see the word seer, it just means prophet. One, one who sees into the spiritual realm, right? We get that story of Elisha and his servant, and Elisha prays, Lord, open my servant's eyes that he might see. And the servant then sees that all of the chariots and the horses of fire surrounding. And he says, greater are they who are with us than with them, you know? And it's just like, yeah. And so these prophets having this ability to hear from God and, and really have a sensitivity into the, the spiritual realm, Verse 10, it says, Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women going out to draw water and said to them, Is the seer here? 
And they answered them and said, Oh, yes, there he is. The reason I'm saying that is because Saul's so good looking. He's a dashing fellow. He's Gaston. Yes, there he is, just ahead of you. Hurry now, for today he came to this city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place. Verse 13, as soon as you come into the city, you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for about this time you will find him. I love this. You know, this just jumped out at me, that they won't eat until Samuel comes and and does his duty to bless the sacrifice. But we have a a tradition, don't we? Uh, We pray before we eat as Christians, especially dinner for some reason. (laughs) Sometimes we don't pray for breakfast or lunch. Hopefully we just, you know, make a tradition of praying regularly to the Lord. And that's the important part of it, to pray over your food. You've been listening to Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais of Calvary Anaheim in Anaheim, California. If you're in the area, we'd love for you to visit. Check out calvaryanaheim.org for location, service times, and more. We'd love to hear from you. To let us know how God has touched your life through this program or to submit a prayer request, simply go to calvaryanaheim.org and scroll down to the Get in Touch form at the bottom of the homepage. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to listen again next time for another edition of Word and Spirit with Pastor James Beauvais. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Anaheim.